I was really pleasantly surprised by the level of calm that they had, the level of resilience that people have, that when, when forced to, uh, they can rise to the occasion. You're listening to an American Red Cross in Greater New York podcast. Hello, everyone. This is Michael DeVolpierre, Communications Officer for the American Red Cross in Greater New York. I hope you are all doing as well as possible and staying safe despite this unprecedented situation we are all finding ourselves in. Given this new normal and all the stress and uncertainty that comes with it, we decided to put together a few short podcast episodes to help listeners cope at home. For our first conversation, we'll be speaking with longtime Red Cross disaster mental health volunteer, Dr. Thomas Holinsky. In his role with the Red Cross, he draws on his work as an experienced mental health practitioner to help individuals cope with the fear, trauma, and stress brought on by disasters. He does this work locally, and at times he deploys to disasters outside our region, like mass shootings and wildfires. Today we'll be speaking with him about the emotional toll that this is having on us all, and ways we can cope despite our unique and different circumstances. Joining me in this conversation today, remotely, is my colleague, Andrew Sindel. Andrew is Volunteer Services Manager for the American Red Cross in Greater New York, and he's also a member of our podcast team. Welcome, Andrew. Great. Thank you, Michael. Great to be here. Thank you so much, Tom, for joining us today. How are you holding up? My pleasure to be here, Michael. I'm doing okay. I'm coping fine so far. And uh, thank you for asking. This is obviously a really anxious, stressful, scary time for a lot of people. One of the sources of anxiety is out there is the amount of information in the news. Can you talk a little bit about the importance of disconnecting from time to time and how, how this um, news cycle that people are surrounded in in this really difficult moment is um, impacting people's lives? You know, I'm telling everyone, both Red Cross and my patients alike, uh, that to really limit their exposure to uh, the media and social media. The impact of the constant drip, so to speak, of of news and the statistics uh, has a kind of a numbing effect. We call it a kind of a a self-hypnotic in a negative way, a negative self-hypnosis. Uh, you get locked into that, and it uh, certainly is a negative uh, consequence. Besides the media exposure or overexposure is the constant discussion, which in and of itself uh, creates another aspect of, of panic in people uh, and worry. Uh, so I'm asking people not only to monitor their viewing time, but to be very careful about the constant discussion. We're so connected on, on social media, and it's, so it's not just the news. I, I think not only it's the news, but finding, maybe it's even finding new ways to, to occupy your mind. I don't know if you, you have any thoughts on that. Well, I mean, we're going to be challenged to create new ways to occupy our mind. But, you know, I think first what we need to do is think about what we've done in the past during times of stress, what's worked for us. So we don't have to reinvent the wheel. Let's, let's look at what may have worked for us in the past and employ that. Now, having said that, you know, a lot of us haven't been home with our families at this level and this kind of contact in a very long time. So there's going to be some uh, creative ideas uh, that need to come out of this. And as they say, every crisis has, um, has an opportunity and it's important to look for those opportunities. There's a lot of stress and anxiety on the elderly and other at-risk groups. We're, we're hearing that probably more than ever, maybe even creating some kind of a, more of a stigma around that. Do you have any, any thoughts on that and any advice for, for the individuals in those groups as they cope with what's going on around them? 
Well, it's clear from the media that if you're over, well, it's a moving target, but it was 65, it's 60, it could be 70. And with some, you know, that you're in, um, you're, you're more at risk. And if you have an underlying condition, by the way, a lot of us don't know if we have an underlying condition too. Um, but if you do, that you're even more at risk. I think there's only a certain amount of times you can hear that without starting to feel extremely more vulnerable. So again, uh, we know people in that age range are more vulnerable. That's a fact. Uh, so they have some control over that in terms of how they quarantine themselves and avoid other people and avoid things that could, you know, could be problematic for them. There are some things we have control over. Obviously, there's a lot we don't. But I also think that you know, the, the problem with the, that particular age group, too, is isolation. Some of the mental health experts feel, and I agree with them, that social isolation in and of itself is a, is a serious problem and will have some impact on these people. But most people have somebody that they can reach out to, or a lot of us know somebody that's vulnerable that we can reach out to. Now today, reaching out is Skype or phone. It's not, it's not showing up at their door because we're both victim and we're vector at the same time with this virus. But we can reach out to people as well. You know, Tom, it's, it, now that you know, mentioned, of course, people that uh, you know, have to be quarantined or kind of home alone by themselves and some things they could do. What about kind of on the opposite spectrum? I know earlier on you mentioned uh, someone that's maybe spending a lot of time around their family or uh, roommates that they might have, and you're kind of all stuck together, maybe in a smaller space, and you're not used to spending so much time together, you know, where it could be hours on end, where uh, you don't really have that personal space, maybe as much as, you know, you're going to work, because you might be working from home. You have some ideas on, on kind of almost the opposite end when you're around people um, that you're not used to be for so long. What I can say is, again, I think, you know, um, parents need to provide structure for kids always. And now we have a lot of kids coming home from college. They're, they're really adolescents. They're like young adults, but they are now back in that parent-child role. And the parents do need to provide structure for them. No, you're not going out. No, you're not meeting with your friends. You're going to find some different things to do. What about small kids? Can you talk about some of the anxiety that they're most likely dealing with and some, some tips for parents and for family members to talk to young, young people about what's going on in this kind of crazy time that we're living in. You know, children need to be calmed. They need to see their parents in charge and they need to be reassured that everything is going to be okay. It's hard to say exactly what the outcomes are gonna be. A lot of us don't know. That's the uncertainty is what's making people very anxious. But uh, again, the structure is important and monitoring the children. Now, I think that your six-year-old or your eight-year-old is less likely to be on their iPad watching the news or watching a press release. However, it's an important time to make sure you monitor them because they can get into the dark side of that, of that internet. And uh, the dark side of the internet has its uh, negative consequences for them as well. So it's no different. They're home more, they're gonna be on those iPads more and their phones. Make sure you monitor and watch what they're, what they're viewing. But very, very normal reactions for children during a time like this will be some acting out. Siblings are gonna be fighting with themselves or with you. There'll be irritability and agitation. There'll be uh, difficulties with concentration or some sleeping issues, you'll see. 
Uh, they may be more clingy. There'll be some separation anxiety, eating uh, difficulties, possibly, and some tearfulness. These are all very normal reactions to the stress that we're in. And it's a constant stress. It doesn't go away. You get up in the morning and you hope it's a bad dream. It's not. Tom, you know, we talked a little bit uh, about elderly and uh, people in dealing with their families kind of in this new environment. And I'm a little curious about what about people that, uh, you know, dealing with a significant other, you know, couples that uh, might be spending more time together and some of those things they need to think about. Yeah, another challenging aspect to this confinement is the amount of time people are spending with each other, especially while they're anxious, uh, nervous, and irritable, etc. You know, one of the things that I, I, I say to my couples that I work with is that the hardest thing about a relationship is the other person. And this is the time to be patient. Patience is a choice. It's not something we inherit. It, it is a choice. And this is a time when we really need to make the choice to let some things go and to allow, because all of us are having mixed feelings and nervous and anxious uh, about a lot of things. So patience is, is needed and uh, is important. Also just being able to talk about feelings with each other and express emotions about what's going on. The more we keep inside, the less we talk about it, the more difficulty it's gonna present for us. So it's good for us to talk to each other about some of our fears and some of our worst fears, get them out. They're easier to work with when you get them out as opposed to keeping them in. Are there some signs when we're talking about one's emotional well-being during times like this that we should be mindful of? Signs that might signal that we might wanna seek out professional help? Uh, we would expect changes in sleeping for adults and in eating and in productivity. Um, expect to drop things more. Your mind has got so many things going on at the same time that you'll drop this or drop that. You'll have the dropsies. It's not uncommon. That's part of the concentration issue. Um, expect to be tired and fatigued. And, you know, and that could be right after you get up. Um, again, these are common reactions. These are not like, oh my goodness, you know. There'll be some times when you want to isolate and withdraw and there may be some uh, mood swings and, and numbness and confusion. These are all normal in times of stress. And again, you know, I haven't seen this kind of constant stress on people. But in the event where one becomes panicky, one becomes very worried, or worse yet, one starts to have troubling depressive thoughts, then of course it's time to, to seek uh, professional help. You know, Tom, uh, when you talk about the stress aspect, of course, that like you said, it's kind of always here. This is the only thing we're hearing on the news and we're saturated around, you know, uh, hearing about this uh, environment all the time. And you had mentioned earlier about, you know, your immune system and, and making sure you're doing things for yourself to make sure your you know, immune system is at a good place. And, you know, of course, eating well and things like that. But what is that link between, you know, this constant stress and maybe how your immune system is able to handle uh, the situation, maybe are there some things you can do to try to make sure, you know, your immune system is, you know, in good shape or you're, you're doing things to help uh, uh, yourself be healthy? We do want to encourage, again, if you take time for yourself, if you pay attention to your diet, this is not a time to be changing the diet and loading up on different foods. If you exercise moderately, and there's a lot of things we can do in our own homes, or, you know, occasionally go out for a walk, you know, we can 
be very mindful about how we care for ourselves and take time for ourselves. Uh, in addition, what I what I highly recommend to people, and they, and especially at a time like this, is to consider meditation. It's a great way to self-care and to also bring down your anxiety. But again, whatever works, it could be the hot bath, it could be a hundred push-ups. It whatever helps you reduce that that anxiety that you've used before, pull it out and do it again. One last question that I had. Uh, for you was what has surprised you the most as you've seen how people have coped with this? And I say surprised in a good way. In a way, have, is, has there been any reaction or general sense that has kind of reassured you in the what you've seen of people responding and coping with this? Well, you know, that's a, that's a great question. I, I, in my private practice, I have, I have um, individuals from um, 10 years of age to 84 years of age. Um, this week in particular, I've been able to Skype or do phone sessions. And quite honestly, I expected a, a number of my clients to be much more anxious than they were. I was really pleasantly surprised by the level of calm that they had, the level of resilience that people have, that when, when forced to, uh, they can rise to the occasion. And so down the road, I'll use that with them and remind them that when the going got tough, their resilience kicked in and there's no ifs, ands, or buts about it. And I've seen that with this week alone with the number of people that I've been talking to. So um, I, I, to me, that's been, that's been great. And for them, I'm, I'm happy because they're not, you know, they're not, you know, dreading every moment. Just going back to that every moment, I just wanna, I wanna uh, tell a little story about something that I think is important. You know, many, many years ago when I was a beginner therapist, I had a, a, a young woman I worked with that was uh, in AA and I was working with her on stuff and I wanted to let her know that I knew a little bit about the AA stuff. And so I said, listen, you know, uh, sometimes we have to do this one day at a time. So. She leaned over, she leaned over her chair, she looked at me in the eye and she said, sometimes we have to do this 10 minutes at a time. I never forgot that exchange. I never forgot that exchange. She taught me so much. Sometimes we, we do our best to do one day at a time. It's so hard to do that, to not get into the future and catastrophize about what's gonna happen. But sometimes we have to do 10 minutes at a time. Thank you so much, Tom. Thank you for all you do for the Red Cross. Thank you for, for this, this incredible information that you're providing. And I just you know, wish you being safe and I, and I can't wait to see you in person again soon. Thank you, Michael. Thank you, Andrew. My best yeah. to both of you. Be well, guys. Thank you to Andrew and Tom for joining me remotely today. And thank you to all our listeners. For more safety and coping resources, please visit redcross.org. I wish you all peace of mind during this challenging time. If you are feeling overwhelmed with emotions like sadness, depression, anxiety, or feel like you want to harm yourself or someone else, call 911 or the National Suicide Prevention Lifeline at 1-800-273-8255. Thank you all again. Let's continue looking out for one another. This episode was produced and edited by Will Wu.